Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19 in your scripture. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word this morning from 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to begin in verse 1 of this text, and we're going to read about 15 verses, if you'll bear with me here. Uh, verse 1, chapter 19, uh, the book of 1 Kings. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, or by the morrow, about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself, verse 4, went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, in verse 8, and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, burned down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. They seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth, and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, in verse 12, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Aren't you thankful for that? And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him, and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said unto him in verse 15, Go, return on my way to the wilderness of Damascus. When thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. We'll pause there. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. You may be seated this morning. As you well know, we've been on the mountain, mountaintop with God. Before moving to the New Testament, we're going to visit a few mountains of the New Testament and wrap this series up. I want to be careful to not miss what happens between two mountains that we've already seen God move upon. Mount Carmel is where God used Elijah to call his people back to him. That was last week, wasn't it? And then Mount Horeb, as we see in this text in 
1 Kings chapter 19, which is also, if you're keeping notes, or maybe you would write in the margin of your Bible here in chapter 19, Mount Horeb is also Mount Sinai. It's the same location. It's the same mountain. And we know that on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the law, and the people stood at the base of the mountain while the mountain shook. That's interesting because it shakes also in this text, doesn't it, with the presence of God. These two mountains, Mount Carmel and Mount Horeb, are approximately 280 miles apart. Mount Carmel being in the northern region and Mount Sinai being in the, or Mount Horeb being in the southern region. We know from biblical experience that you cannot stay on the mountain. Would somebody please testify to that? However, what happens in high altitude sometimes causes the valley, listen to this, to seem deeper and darker than it really is. In chapter 19, Elijah sees the public victory of Mount Carmel over his shoulder, but the personal victory of Mount Horeb is the refuge that he needs. King Ahab, too, has come down from Mount Carmel only to report to his wife Jezebel all that God has done. And you see that in verse 1 of chapter 19 as he kind of gives a play-by-play of what God did on Mount Carmel through Elijah. Now, if you know anything, you know that she was a conniving, evil woman who really ran the kingdom through her husband. Now, upon this news of what God had done, she sent a death notice, didn't she? Verse 2 of chapter 19 to old Elijah. Elijah temporarily forgets that God was in complete control, and he begins to do what? He begins to run. He begins to run for his life. He goes so far, and he even checks out from his servant You stay here, I'm going on further. He's suffering from a nervous exhaustion in this text, remembering he's coming off a high point in life. He is physically and mentally depleted. In the record-setting pace on which we live our lives today in this current culture, this current society, we forget that we are not superhuman. Please say amen to that. In other words, we can like him. I think if we were honest, we can like him to what Elijah is experiencing in chapter 19. Our bodies need time to benefit from the balance that we spoke about or we mentioned. I've had a couple comments this past week about what we said in the way of the Holy Spirit's leading and prompting in the way of balance last week in our message. God provides the balance that we need for life. It's here that we find our message for today. The much-needed mountain, listen to this, of personal victory. The mountain of personal victory. What does it take for God to really get to us and to nurture our soul? What does it take for God to get your attention, to truly speak to you personally? Not just corporately, as we have all gathered together as a church, as a body of believers this morning. uh, But what does it take for God to personally speak to you? Number one, it takes or requires our full attention. It takes or requires our full attention. It's hard to believe that Elijah is the same man who defied 450 false prophets of Baal on the Mount of Carmel. He's lost his spiritual vision, and he has become a slave to the inconsistency of his own flesh. If anything, you find or realize or understand that he's just a man like you and I. He fails here because he's looking or paying attention to his flesh and not his spirit. For God to provide the victory in your life, you have to pay attention to yourself. Let me repeat that. For God to provide the victory in your life, 
you have to pay attention to yourself. Being before the public, defying, defying the, the false worship, had drained Elijah of all his energy and strength. And that in itself is not a bad thing. Sometimes it's required of us to push ourselves to the limit. Please say amen to that if you understand it. Sometimes it's important that you give your all, right? But you also have to rebound from that properly. And that's where Elijah failed. He failed to rebound from this victory of Mount Carmel. In verses 3 through 4 of our text in chapter 19, we see him at an all-time low of his life. And he's saying some things that are really difficult. They're really hard to hear a grown man say, listen, especially a man of God. He says in this text of verses 3 and 4, it says that he requested for himself <laughs> that he might die. He says, it's enough. Take away my life. That's what he says in verses 3 and 4. He also says, I'm not better than my father's. He's comparing himself. He's looking around and comparing himself to those that have come before him. And he's saying, I don't add up. I'm not as good as they once were. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to be done. Just take my life. Life has a way of getting us to points that seem like there's no way out. Would somebody say amen to that? It takes a little honesty to say that. All directions point to no outlets. You compare yourself maybe to everyone else's progress, and it doesn't measure as high as you feel like it should. Even as believers, we can become so overwhelmed and burdened with life itself. At times, we lose our focus. We become like Elijah, maybe not to that point, I hope, but we become bewildered to overcome that. Listen, we have to pay very close attention to ourselves. And I think that we fail that test at times because as believers, we are used to, we're used to the exhortation of looking at everyone else. Is anybody with me? We're used to, to hearing the Great Commission echo in our, in our mind, in our heart, that we are to look on the lost world and think of them before ourselves. And that, too, is important, isn't it? Yes, it is. We also hear the echo of brotherly love, and we think that, that we have to be careful to love and to be kind to, to even our brothers and sisters in Christ and think of them at times before we think of ourselves. But listen, before you can think of either of those two parties, you have to make sure that you personally are on the right track. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Paying close attention to yourself. More times than not, it is when we are stressed that we become bewildered, that we become like Elijah down in the valley. When we're stressed out, when life and all of the circumstances of it are so overwhelming that we just can't seem to find our way through it. It's like a tangled mess. It's when we're weary, when we are physically worn out. We're not finding enough rest and recuperation for ourselves. When we're stressed, when we're weary, listen to this one, when we're worried. When life has a way of stretching us and causing us to look at the things that we cannot provide for ourselves, and then we begin to worry of how we're going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, but we know that we don't have the wherewithal to accomplish it. Did you follow me? We become worrying and fretful in our life. We become bewildered when we are worked, overworked. Now, you know me. If you know anything, you know that I believe in hard work. And I believe that God's people should be the hardest of working people. Hard work is good for you. Yes, it'll make you sleep good at night, huh? But there are times that that we are overworked, and sometimes we even do that to ourselves. 
in those times and seasons of our life, we become bewildered. A day's journey into the wilderness of Beersheba under a juniper tree, Elijah has become the 3D prophet. If you're keeping notes, this will be valuable to you. He has become here under this old juniper tree a 3D prophet. First of all, he's discouraged. He's suffering from a loss of confidence or enthusiasm about himself, about life. Like Peter, when Peter took his eyes off of the Lord and when he stepped out of the boat onto the water, and he began to sink the very moment that the Scripture tells us he looked at the waves, he looked at the wind, and not Jesus. He became overwhelmed, and he began to sink. Like Elijah here, he is overwhelmed about life. He's looking at all of these circumstances. He's fearful now of this evil, wicked woman who's running the kingdom through her husband, who has threatened his life, and he has forgotten that he has a God bigger than any wicked or evil woman. Please say amen to that. Yeah, he's discouraged. Secondly, he's depressed. Having feelings of severe despondency, he's lost his hope. He, he's feeling dejected from society. And listen, he's even done a little bit of that himself. Because we find early in chapter 19 that he did have a companion. He had a servant with him, but he even checked out from the servant. Sometimes we're guilty of that. God has provided someone to encourage or someone to help us carry the load, but we even check out from them. We're choosing depression. We're choosing a lack of hope. We're choosing a place where we are singled out. It's a dangerous place to be. He'd gotten his eyes off of God after the traumatic scene that he was a part of on Mount Carmel. Listen, he had seen on Mount Carmel, and you know this, he had seen fire from heaven. What in the world does that look like? Hey, by the way, he called it down. He saw fire fall from heaven. He, he was a part of executing all of the false prophets of Baal. You want to talk about PTSD? He was suffering from it. They were in a drought. They were in a severe famine. The end of the text in chapter 18 says that a rainstorm had come. Listen, he'd seen all these things, and then he saw the rain come that God sent. That would be something to see, wouldn't it? And now he has a death threat upon his life. His skewed focus has affected his well-being. He's been dealing with a lot of things. I think that you understand it now that I've listed it and laid it out before us. His skewed focus affected his well-being. Not only those two, but how about this third one? There's defeat involved here. Overcome or, or, or beaten down. He was overworked. He was overworried. And listen, he was overdone. Remember, God's victory is your responsibility. Let me say that again to you. God's victory is your responsibility. God could not, would not have done what he did on Mount Carmel without the man of God being usable. God's responsibility or God's victory is your responsibility. You will not reap God's blessing without paying close attention to your own spirit and keeping your flesh in check. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Giving full attention to God. Number two, God will give us the agility, the agility that we need. The word agility means ability to move quickly and easily or to think and understand quickly. Aren't you thankful that the Lord always knows what you need the most? Mercy. God met him where he was and challenged him. God challenged Elijah to go a little bit further. Often between mountaintop experiences is where we learn just who we are as a Christian. We see an interesting pattern. 
in chapter 19 that Jesus, the angel of the Lord, as he's called in this text, institutes with Elijah that is inadvertently an answer to Elijah's prayer. In verse 4, if you glance at chapter 19, he requested to die, but God says through Jesus, no, you're not going to die. I want you to come and dine with me. In verse 5, if you'll glance at verse 5 of chapter 19, you're going to find that it says this, and, they, and as he lay asleep under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Elijah is asleep. The angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. In verse 6, he does, he does so and laid back down. In verse, six, he, or in verse 6, he awakes, and he sees that there is a meal set before him. He eats of that meal. He lays back down. In verse 7, it starts over. The angel awakes him and says, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's a wonderful pattern that is laid before us in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. It's the pattern of rest and replenish that is required of each and every one of us. This pattern... This pattern is built in specifically for you because we have limitations in our flesh, every one of us. It reminds me of Jesus, like he meets Elijah here. This meeting reminds me of Jesus meeting the disciples on the shore of Galilee after the resurrection. The disciples in that text, if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 21, the Gospel of John chapter 21. If you remember, this text is interesting because the disciples after the resurrection, are considering what? They're considering uh, quitting. What should we do? Well, I don't know. We're pretty ignorant. Maybe we should go back to fishing. That's the gist of the setting. And so they do. They go out on the boat. In John chapter 21, look quickly, if you would, please, at verse 9. It says this, As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish, which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, 153. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, look at this in verse 12, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh in verse 13 and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. What's he doing? He's ministering to them. He's replenishing them physically. He's giving them uh, uh, to eat. It's probably the best fish they'd ever eaten, right? Jesus made it. I love a good fish fry. He's nourishing their soul in the way of fellowship. Just like he does in the Gospel of John chapter 21, he is doing in the Old Testament with Elijah. You see, between the mountains of life, God wants to provide the agility that you need for the journey. The angel of the Lord says to Elijah in verse 7 of our text in 1 Kings 19, the journey is too great for thee. Elijah, it's too much for you to do on your own. By the way, it's too much for you to do in your own strength. You're not even strong enough to do this journey on your own right now as we speak. Life is hard. Would somebody testify to that? Life is difficult. And by the way, please don't make that a cop-out because we have made it difficult. We're the reason that life is so hard. The sin that Adam and Eve committed all those generations ago in the Garden of Eden, that is what has made life a challenge, and that's what has made life difficult. 
I say to you, understanding that life is difficult, I say to you today, if you're here today and you are not saved, you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, you are unsure about your eternity. If your life were to end today, you do not know that you'd be in heaven for all of eternity. I want to say to you today, if that describes who you are, listen to me, you need a Savior. The journey is too great for you. You cannot make it on your own. You say, well, things, Pastor Josh, things seem pretty good right now. I've got a pretty good job. Got a little bit of money in the bank. Kids are doing well. No, you're thinking about just today. Look beyond today. Look at the end of your life and listen, that is inevitable. You cannot fight that fact. Your life is going to come to an end. What about then? If you're here today and you're not saved, you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior. The journey is too great for you. You need Jesus. Disciple, those of us that are saved, I want to say the same to you. The journey is too great for us as well. We need to rely upon him. We need to follow the pattern that he has set before us in the way of rest, replenishing our physical body, but also our spiritual body, trusting in him. And listen to this, say amen to this, walking with him. Can I say to you, the journey is too great. Even as believers, we find at times that we are stretched so thin that we become despondent that we can't find hope, that we lose our purpose. But I want to say to you that God gives us exactly what we need if we would look to him for it. Please, please say amen to that. Elijah went on the fellowship and the meat of that gathering there. The Bible tells us for 40 days and 40 nights. That meal, that rest, and that fellowship was enough for him to get to exactly the point that God needed him to get to. In the valley, God gives the agility which means, I'll remind you, the ability to move quickly and easily or to think and understand quickly that we need to make it to the next mountain. Number three, the alignment for the future. The strength that is gained from this godly interaction is a stepping stone to the next high place. God is always aligning you today for the success of tomorrow, a divine appointment that results in divine blessing. Mount Horeb aligns you with others. A Mount Horeb in your life, uh, that mountaintop experience will always remind you that you are not alone. If you look at verse 10, he says, I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. It's interesting that before God tells Elijah that there are 7,000 prophets left that have not bowed a knee to Baal, he first, God personally first meets with Elijah personally. The enemy wants more than anything to isolate, to wean you away from the dependency of a God relationship. If the enemy could do anything today, listen, he, in, in your life, if you're not saved today, he wants to get you far away from what's happening right now, the deliverance of truth in your life. He wants to keep you from hearing about the truth of Jesus. He wants to flood your mind with the pleasures of the flesh, with the pleasures of sin, so that you don't accept the truth of Jesus in your life. He wants to isolate you from, from the Lord and the blessings thereof. Christian, it's not really a whole lot different. He wants to isolate you. He wants you to, to, to feel like you are the only one. He wants you to feel like you're on a different island physically or emotionally from everyone else. You're working harder than everyone else. You're feeling feelings that are different than everyone else. He wants to isolate you and cut you away from the herd so that you become your own worst enemy. Mount Horeb aligns you with the power of God's ability. 
In verse 11, it says this, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. God displayed himself to Elijah in such a way that was real and unlike anything that he had personally seen of God. God showed himself in the power of the wind. God showed himself in the power of an earthquake. God showed himself in the power of fire. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5 tells us that he makes all things new. God is a new and fresh experience every day that you walk with him. Mercy. God is a new and fresh experience every day that you walk with him. Mount Horeb aligns you with, most importantly, the word of God. Miracles will never be as powerful as the simple word of God. In verse 13, if you look at it quickly in chapter 19, you'll notice that verse 13 says this, And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him. And said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Listen, none of the other things that God did got this response. The wind, Elijah sat in the back of the cave and watched it blow. The earthquake, he certainly huddled in the safety of the cave and felt it shake. The fire, he'd seen it before. He knew that he would be safe, secure in the palm of God's hand, in the shadows and dampness of the cave. But there was something intriguing about the last or final way that God shows up, caused or required a response from Elijah. It says that he got up from the cave and he walked out to the mouth of the cave, the opening of the cave, because he heard something, listen, that his spirit was drawn to. It was the word of God. It was the voice of his Lord. Miracles will never be as powerful as the simple word of God in your life. Through that still small voice, God wants to align your future with his purpose. Listen, I'll say that to each and every one of us this morning, and I'm even speaking to myself, what you and I need more than anything in life itself, it's not more money, it's not more happiness, it's not more material things. Listen, what you and I need more than anything in life itself is the Word of God. What He has to say to us personally, what He has to say to us in the way of His perfect will and perfect plan for our life. You see, Mount Horeb is a mountain of personal victory in the life of Elijah. God gives him purpose and reminder of his leadership. He says in verse 15, return on my way. And when you return, anoint new leadership there. Listen, we're going to change some things here. Elijah, I'm not finished. I've only begun. Get back on track. God gives him someone to disciple. At the end of this text, he, he, he carries on the work and the ministry uh, of, of what God is doing. He gives him someone to disciple in the way of Elisha. And listen, many of you already know this truth. He blesses Elisha and the ministry of Elisha double, twofold from what he's already done. He gives him someone to pour into. He gives him a true companion that's listening to every word that Elijah speaks, watching every move that Elijah makes. He gives him a true friend. Mm, that's valuable, isn't it? And listen, God gives him hope. He gives him hope for the mission. Elijah, you're not the only one. There's a boy down in the valley that's plowing with his father's oxen. You go down there and anoint him. He'll be faithful. He'll follow me, number one, but he's also going to follow you. And then also, there's 7,000. Elijah, I've heard you say it twice. You're not the only one. There's 7,000 that I have protected and kept safe that have not bowed their, their knee to Baal. He gives him hope for the mission. I want to say to you today, for personal victory in your life, for personal victory 
It takes full attention, paying close attention to what God desires for your life and for your heart. God will always provide the agility that you need. He'll give you the energy. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the wherewithal in your mind to make the, the, the good and right decisions that you need to make. And when you need to make them, somebody ought to testify. And then thirdly, he's always aligning you. If you're paying attention on the Mount Horebs of your life, listen, he's always aligning you for the future. He's always planning to bless you tomorrow if you stay on track today. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122 or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day and may God bless you.